good evening, Facebook, YouTube, and um, no Periscope tonight. Something is wrong with the Periscope link. Um, usually that happens when it's an uh, oversaturated market, which uh, we know right now is uh, a bunch of uh, politics stuff going on. So we appreciate everybody in the chat who's willing to join us for our first episode of Crown Rules. We have we have poet and author Julia Dozier here who wrote two books, both are titled Crown Rules. One book is titled Crown Rules, One Woman's Journey to the Throne. And this was her first, first book that she wrote. And um, this is basically a work, an open workbook journal uh, for women, just specifically for women. And we have her other book here, it's called Crown Rules 2 this here and that that is how black men love julia has a bachelor's degree in psychology from hunter college in new york a master's degree in organizational leadership from nyack college in new york as well most of the people know julia from always appearing on our poet poetry corner so, so, so most people didn't know that that Julia is an educator as well as an author. Mm -hmm. So, um, me and Julia collaborated and decided that we would go over her book, the Black Men, uh, Black How Black Men Love, and mm -hmm. we would discuss we would discuss her book each week, each Thursday, in a form of uh, questions in chapters and we'll we'll have a to open discussion and we hope everybody in the chat will join um preferably men but not exclusively to men because um this book was with, with Julia's research was direct was directly from a men's point of view and um I'll let Julia take it away and explain um what made her write her first book as well as her second book. What's up Julia? Nothing much Quentin I'm so excited to be here tonight. I think this is amazing. And I'm just, I'm so excited, so happy. And thank you for the opportunity. Um, I wrote the first book following my divorce. Um, I realized that for most of my life as a woman, my goal was to be married. Um, I had other like professional and educational goals, but the goal was to be married. And I got married at a at a later age. I got married like in my early 30s. Um, and the pressure, the pressure about, you know, having getting married, having children, getting the home, all of those things. I really um, wanted to make sure I was pleasing everyone around me. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and getting that pressure off of me. But it wasn't a good match. It wasn't a good fit. And we ended up separating and then divorcing. And I had to move into my, my own place after, you know, eight years. And I was sitting in my living room one day and realized that I didn't even know who I was. Okay. Um, and so I started to journal um, about my feelings and my emotions about, you know, where I had found myself after, after eight years of being in this relationship. And I started to discover that there were certain teachings 
that had been instilled in me that I was not aligned to. They had nothing to do with me personally. A lot of mm. them were like societal expectations and things you see in the media. And then like also expectations of family and then pressures from friends. And none of those things really amounted to who I was as a person. And so I took the time to kind of just journal. And after a while, I realized I had a book. Okay, so this is this is how you came up with Crown Rules, a woman's journey to the throne. And the reason why I published it, Quentin, was because I understood that there were probably other young women who were either facing the pressures that I felt I had faced to make certain decisions or who were coming out of, you know, um, the result of making certain decisions that really didn't align to who they were. And I wanted them to have an opportunity to do that soul searching work for themselves so, so that they could arrive at their throne, their own personal throne, not anyone else's expectation and be solid in who they, they were. Um, working in education, I was around um, very, many young women between the ages of 16 and 24 who also did not have um, maybe mothers or role models in their life. And the book was also an opportunity for them to start doing that soul searching before they got out there in the world and, and could make good decisions for themselves. So let me, so let me ask you, did you, um, you said you started to journal. Did you look at, I know sometimes when, when failed marriages, failed relationships, I always say that it's either going to be the victim or the one who did the victimizing. Um, not, to, not to get too much into your personal business. What made you look at yourself and not blame the failed marriage on your ex-husband? Um, uh, well, like we were, you and I were talking a little bit uh, behind backstage. I'm a person who's um, very, very critical of myself. Sometimes too critical. Um, um, but I, but that quality of being critical causes me to want to know what in this situation. What was my responsibility? What was I accountable to? What did I do wrong? And what could I have done better? Mm. And when I looked at the what I could have done better, it wasn't anything about being a housewife. Like I said, I had prepared all my life for that. I was ready. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready for that. The the one thing that that I could have improved upon was knowing who I was before I entered into that relationship because there were things that I needed and wanted that I wasn't aware of, but I realized was missing in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And it was only after that I was able to be very clear about like who I am. And it took time. It didn't happen right away, but um, took some time to understand who I am, what I want and what I need. So how does, so how does someone, um, like you said, your first book is basically a woman's journal, woman's like a self-guide. Um, I actually went through it a couple of times and I found mm -hmm. it very, very interesting. It can, it can be reflective of men as well. 
Yes. What, how would someone purchase the book? So the book is or was currently available on Amazon.com. What I've been doing in this period since COVID is allowing me time is I've been going back to each book and um, creating revised second editions because there's a lot that I've learned since they were last published. So Crown Rules, uh, One Woman's Journey to the Throne is currently not available on Amazon, but it will be by the first week of November and it'll be the second edition with more jewels and more nuggets in it. How, what, what, what were some of your responses from um, family? And the reason why I say family when you wrote the first book because a lot of times family don't know what we go through, even though they see us every day, they talk to us every day. But, you know, sometimes you may feel uncomfortable telling them your fears, your your shortcomings, your, uh, your insecurities, because uh, the book allows you to be vulnerable. So what, what <laughs> so explain how that was received. I think there was a balance between, to your point, people who were people who were prepared to be vulnerable and people who were not. So the people who were not prepared to be vulnerable at the time that it was published really didn't get into it because it does cause you to look at certain things you might not have given time to. So you have to be prepared for the to, to do that or want to do that, right? Um, and then for the other family members who were who were like prepared to kind of understand the my personal journey, but also take their own. Um, the feedback was that they were surprised that that had been my experience, and I think that's the thing that we take for granted a lot of time, you know. There used to be a, a pastor's wife in a church that I went to, and she used to say to me, thank God I don't look like what I've been through. I, and I think, you know, that causes us to, to take for granted what someone's personal experience is because they may not look like all of the things that they have <laughs> experienced and overcome, you know? So I was like, well, I didn't know you went through that. Like, why not? I'm a human being and I'm a woman and I'm a black woman at that. You know what I mean? So um, I think it was the, the reception was kind of like, I didn't know that you went through all of that, but then they were also like a, appreciative that they were able to do their own reflection and come up with some new guidelines for themselves as well. Okay. So, so let me ask you, um, being that you're an educator, I'm quite sure people, uh, younger people have got across to this book. So did it, did it, um, did it allow them to, did it allow you to teach different after you gave them a piece of you? Because this this is this is a part of your life that a lot of us aren't willing, always willing to share. Um, it did, and there was there was one student of mine in particular who really made me feel that I had done the right thing and being so vulnerable and exposing so much. Um, it really allowed her and I to bond and she, because she was going through a difficult time. She had, you know, she had a contentious relationship with her mom 
and her mom wasn't able to like probably give her everything that she needed to to be successful in her path as a woman. And she used to come to my office. This student used to come to my office all the time and we would just kick it and laugh and have a good time. And one day I bought the book in. And so she liked the cover and and so we talked about it and I shared with her, you know, that I wanted to give her a copy and I wanted to get her feedback, what she thought. And um, she used to skip classes sometimes and I would let her stay in my office when she skipped classes. And she sat that particular day and um, just read the book and she broke down in tears. And she said to me that she never had really taken time to understand what her mother's challenges were. And that maybe those challenges present, prevented her mom from being able to give her all the things that she was looking for. Um, but in addition to that, it helped her to start thinking about her own behaviors, her own behaviors and, and the choices that she was making. And, and that's really why, Quentin, I um, wanted to, to write the book. Even now, today, Within our culture, we call each other kings and queens, right? But people who are royalty govern, guide, and have principles and expectations about how they're governing their territory. Mm -hmm. And you know, with all of the challenges that that we that we have been through as a people it becomes a little bit difficult to not only, you know, determine what you want to do, but to, to also gather the resources to do that, to gather the support to do that and things of that nature. And so when I talk about crown, I'm talking about our ways of thinking about who we are and how we relate to one another. So yeah, cause I hope lot, that answered I'm, the question. Yeah, because <laughs> you, you know, a lot of people will take um, the figurative kings and queens and look at it as a way to look down on people or because 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 our society for some reason when we're better off in life today than we were yesterday or see somebody that's struggling um we tend to frown upon them like we don't have a past or we you know we arrived um so to say okay. so you said you said that COVID allowed you to look into going when you did the second book we could discuss the second book. So COVID allowed you to go into um, doing the second book. After your first book, what made you to delve into men? And the reason why I say that is because a lot of times, just, and I'm going to say why I believe it was a harder task for you to do the second book, because um, a lot of people aren't very receptive to a woman speaking on men issues. Hmm. However, after purchasing your book and understanding how you did it, you basically, you didn't really do a lot of writing. It was more of investigatory. Uh, you know, you, you explain that, explain uh, Crown Rules 2. So Crown Rules 2 is King, How Black Men Love. And since my, I'm a lover. I'm a lover by nature. Um, I hug trees. I mean, I love everything. And 
my goal is to really my goal is to really have to experience a purposeful, meaningful, loving relationship with a partner. And I think that that's a lot of people's desires, even if they don't like openly express it. I think underneath everything, you know, that's that's what drives everything that we do. Um, And after my divorce. I tried to date, which was very difficult for me because (laughs) (laughs) to be honest with you, from the time I decided to go to school, I went back to school when I was um, back to college when I was 27. And from the time I decided to go back to school, that's all I focused on. I focused on education and educating myself. And I focused on climbing the corporate ladder. So I really didn't date. I didn't have that much experience. Um, And so now I'm out of this divorce. I'm looking for a relationship. I'm trying to date and I'm failing miserably. (laughs) I'm failing miserably. And what I realized was that the failure was like not only my own, I realized that the men that I was trying to connect with, like the initial conversation we were having was about failed relationships they had had or what some other woman didn't do or um, conversations about conversations about their their economy, like what they could afford, what they couldn't afford, things of that nature and things they wanted to do moving forward. And it's like the, when you try to when you try to develop a bond with someone and that's really what the what the my goal, what my prayer was to be a better lover and to learn how to develop better bonds. And what I realized is that the first failing was the initial conversation. Mm. Say that again. The first failing was the initial conversation. It's like after you get past, you know, the hey, good looking, what's cooking <laughs> and all of that other stuff. And then you you start to maybe become a little bit more vulnerable with the person that you're you're communicating with and, and trying to figure out like how where you're gonna go, how how you're gonna gel together. The initial conversation was always around trauma and limitations. And I don't mm. think people realize that. Like people talk about their past experiences as a way to connect. You know, girlfriends do it too. Um but I realized that that was like the first failing. I'm gonna I'm I'm ask you about that in reference to that. Do you feel like, um, for lack of better words, two people become each other's dumping ground? Like you dumping all your past situations on each other, and now you're saying to yourself, uh, "Try to figure out if I can make this work." And maybe with all, maybe before all that dumping even begins. If it would have been some healing going on, maybe it wouldn't have been no dumping. It would have been more of a building aspect. Like, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm trying to reach uh, uh, financially. This is what I'm trying to reach. You know, right. like you said, like you said, climbing the corporate ladder. This is the type of man I am. This is the type of man I want to become. How I want right. to better my relationship with maybe my, my family or whatever. But instead, exactly. the whole courtship was. 
Trump. Oh, I was in a past relationship and this happened, this happened. And it's um, one of our one of our interviewers in the book, Lee, he talks about the danger of that um, in detail. But what I found as as a problem for me, because before I was before you get started with that. Right. Sure. Explain, because I need everybody that's in the chat to understand how we are going to proceed forward. Okay. With, our, with our shows, because it's going to coincide with how you formatted the book, which I think is amazing. Um, what did you do to come up with the second book? You, you have to explain to the audience. Okay, so failing in dating miserably, said a prayer, God, teach me how to be a better lover, woke up one Sunday morning on my couch, this is where I like to sleep, <laughs> in my apartment. And I received 13 questions just out of the blue. I wrote them down after I wrote them down. I had no idea why those were the questions, but those were the questions. And so, so for the listeners, so for the listeners, each episode, we're going to go over one question per episode and, and explain it in detail um, each week. Um, that doesn't mean it did. The, the, her show is going to be limited to 13 weeks because we also have her other book to get through. But I'm quite sure that we're going to touch on each question, each one question per week. And right. this is the the format that we want to have for the for the upcoming shows. Proceed, Julia, please. Yeah. So um, I'm so excited about this. So I had the um, 13 questions, and I have a wonderful, wonderful community and network of family and friends, male and female. And so I decided to reach out to the men that I respected and who I admired and who I trusted to tell me the truth, to ask them if they wanted to participate in it. And I have to be honest with you, I reached out to about 20 men, but only 10 were willing to engage in the process, but they were the perfect 10 because they didn't hold anything back. Um, they were very transparent and the answers to the questions that they provided, number one, I think, kind of let me know that that initial bonding that we can sometimes engage in is very superficial. And then number two, that I think women don't understand, accept, and appreciate that men are feeling, loving, compassionate, intelligent beings. And you have to be willing to tap into that with someone who's willing to expose that to you. I'm going to ask you a question because I know you said you, um, for the research, you contacted 20 men, but only 10 responded. In your research, um, did you come across that a lot of men will, will lower their guard down for you, but may not lower their guard down for their significant other? Absolutely. What do you Absolutely. think the cause, What do you think the causes for that? Trust, 
trust so you and think, you think, and you, think you, th you think that a lot of men don't trust their significant other like that or the, the point of being hurt i think that men don't trust that their deep emotional feelings or their introspective thoughts will be valued mm. say that again julia I don't think that most men believe that their deep emotional feelings or their introspective thoughts will be valued. I I got something for you. Tell me. <laughs> now, you know, I, I I always got surprises, and I want you to I want you to explain to the audience after they see this and you see this what was going on here. <laughs> on site. She, uh, on site. <laughs> jo jo Jojo said that you were celebrating. Um, let the let the audience know why you were doing that. Um, we're we're, we're friends on Facebook, and um, yes, I know why you did it, but a lot of people may not understand why you were celebrating like that. And you know that was that was probably a side of you that most people don't know. Don't um, know. You you were showing, as most people would say, your ratchet side, but you're not ratchet. <laughs> You're, you're not ratcheted by far. Um, no. <laughs> let let the let, let the viewers know what you were I celebrating. Nicole said you were wrong for that. Yeah, Nicole I said I was wrong for that. <laughs> so I have Quentin has the first edition of um, Crown Rules King: How Black Men Love, and I had just completed the second edition. Um, and was able to publish it. It's available today. It actually released today. It's available on Amazon.com. You can get the paperback or you can get the ebook. So I was celebrating the fact that, you know, the, the first time I had written the book, I was under tremendous pressure. And I didn't have an opportunity to do all of the things or include all of the things that I wanted to include in it. And I was so grateful that I had this opportunity during this time to really just sit with the book, read it again, listen to some of the interviews that I have recorded and then add those additional pieces. And then the other thing is. I was celebrating, accepting every part of who I am now, you know, some, sometimes, right, when we. Um, when we decide to do shows, do interviews. We we invite our family and our friends. Um you have a nickname. I'm gonna put it on the screen. Oh God Quinn, please don't you, do this. But thing. you have a nickname. What's my nickname? Jelly Bean. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's my cousin. <laughs> listen, you know, uh, everybody in the chat, Julia has had explained to me prior that she was a little nervous. So I'm glad that everybody and myself could make her feel comfortable because um, yes. even even though we know her and we know that she definitely in Sundays, I was I was one of the people that seen her stuff on Sundays. She was doing her Instagram and I was um, very impressed what she was doing on Sundays during COVID. So right. that was like the beginning of like, you I'm gonna get her to try to do a show. Um, <laughs> So a lot of time, a lot of times, people aren't as forthcoming when they're on a show, doing live, knowing it can't be edited. So we want to always try to make um, our guests comfortable. You know, the poetry corner. She spit her poetry and then go to the next person, so she has time to reboot. But now, like <laughs> you know, the show is all about her and her work. So you know, and my video. Wanna... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have another one too. Oh no, Quinn, what are you doing? This, this was sent to me. No, no, no. This, this is your. Black Love Matters. Thank you, Quentin. So, this is how you purchase a book. It's on Amazon. Um, we, we will be going over, like I said, her book. Um, Crown Rules 2. It's 13 questions. That does not mean that her show is going to be limited to 13 weeks. We'll probably get more than that. It's up to her. Um, but each week we're going to try to go on to um, another question. And I think that the first question that yes. she asked all the guys, which will be the, sh the episode next week, is the most one of the most interesting questions um, that a lot of people may not even ask themselves. Hmm. Would you like to let everybody know what the uh, next week's episode is going to be on and what was the first question, Julia? Sure. The first question is, who was your first example of love? Very interesting responses. Very interesting responses from the gentleman in our book. Um, and it is a question if you haven't asked yourself or haven't looked at that. It's it's a good it's a good um, way to kind of understand how you developed your awareness of when you're being loved, what love feels like to you, what it looks like. And usually, the our first example of love is how we carry out love throughout our lives. So mm. good good to know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 we gonna we we should really be able to um to really delve into some things. Um, like I said, hopefully more men will join the um the, the chat. And the reason why I say more men, like um, your book was dedicated to men. This this book, and um, it was more about men and getting a getting a, a, a understanding of men, in which I think that. And I don't know if you feel this way. A lot of times, like a, it's funny with relationships, some people aren't friends with the people that they're in relationships with. So they don't have them hard conversations, sort of say. And even like when I when I asked you about the intimate the um the vulnerability. Mm -hmm. 
so many people are vulnerable with people outside of their intimate mate. And it's like, well, why are you telling this person your deep, dark secrets and your, 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 your hangups and all this stuff, but you feel as though you can't tell the, um, your significant other. One of the, one of the gentlemen in the chat said, uh, judgmental. A lot of times that, that when you lower that wing of being very transparent and being open and honest and talk about your fears, um, you, you, it gets weaponized. Me and you had discussed that uh, prior. Like a lot of times, like if if I tell you some deep dark secrets about me, I may get you mad, and next thing you know, my business is all over the place. Or you may weaponize it and and you know make me feel less than what I would consider uh, a man. Try to attack my manhood because I've told you something. Do you think that your book? gave, when you were doing your research, gave you a better understanding of men? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the, even though, even though I like was not emotionally connected to either of these men, what I understood is that you can develop an intimate connection with anyone. And when and when you develop that intimacy, you have to respect it. You have to respect it. You have to honor it. You have to honor it. It does, it's very difficult. It's very difficult sometimes for people in general to share their truths. But when they start going into sharing emotional, emotional content with you or sharing their fears with you or sharing their hopes with you. That's a, that's a, that's a level of um, exposure and vulnerability into their soul and their spirit. And so I think it's important for people to understand the type of conversation that they're having. If someone is, is sharing that with you, that's an intimate conversation and that should not be brought up later and weaponized against someone. And I can understand why men don't share um, some of the things that were discussed in these books with their intimate partner, because I know you've heard of the representative like that, that person that you, you show, you, you show to the person that you're interested in. Right. And that you have to keep up this facade of who you are. Well, you know, part of that is I'm strong. I'm not vulnerable. I'm capable. I don't have any problems. I know how to deal with it. That's who they present to the person that they are supposed to be most intimate with, but they can't share it with them because they don't trust that that information will be received and not just received, but acknowledged. Acknowledged. One of the things that, um, that I'm really into is the five love languages. So when it comes to someone wanting to have that intimate conversation with you, you have to know, you have to know how to respond to that. And some women don't know how to respond. Mm. How do I respond to that? Like, how do I, you shared this intimate detail with me. How do I, how do I meet your need? How do I 
make sure that you're comforted in this moment without taking away your masculinity? How do I make sure that you're able to move on beyond this or to the next stage without you feeling like I'm, I, I don't believe that you're capable to do it by yourself? Like, how do I motivate you and encourage you without making you feel that you're not empowered? It's very difficult for, for women to know how to respond, which is why the first book, um, I think, helps us to connect to how to do those things for our partner. One of the, one of the things that um, on a on a personal level is that um I had uh, from personal experience I had got to a point where I had to look at some things that I was doing wrong mm-hmm. and some of the decisions that I was making and then mm-hmm. I stopped I stopped caring about the work that the the partner had to do I stopped caring about whether or not the the, the partner was perfect or whether or not this individual is where they need to be for themselves. Mm. Not, not, not for lack of better words, with my personality and my experiences up until that point, I had been, a, I had been selfless. Mm. And then I got to a point because of the experiences, I had to get selfish right. and realize, you know what? I need to do what I need to do for me and make myself right. healthy and be able to have, good relationships, not just with an intimate, somebody that's intimate, just good relationships with people, period. So I can be a better person. And a lot of times, I notice that a lot of times, one of the things that I, um, that bothers me is the battle of the sexes. I, you know, I can say openly and honestly say, I hate it. I hate that. I hate that men and women are um, pitted against each other. All the time. all the time, all the time. And it bothers me because most of the time when you hear the bitterness, you never hear that person that's spewing the bitterness have no self-awareness. They're never saying like, you know what? I messed that relationship up. I messed that situation up. I wasn't open. I wasn't this. And it's always pointing the other finger. Or I shouldn't have been in that situation at all. Because you did pick it. <laughs> you know, and 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 that's it boil it boils me too, Quentin. I have to be honest with you. Like I was saying before, I, I'm I'm big on what what did I do wrong? How can I do it better? And for me, when I when I hear the bitterness and I and I hear it being like what I hear is an absence of, of accountability and responsibility, but I also hear an absence of appreciation. Every person that comes into your life, every relationship that you have is a reflection of where you are. Mm. So if you're in a situation where you feel like you're not being honored, you're not being valued, you can't trust, um, you're not getting your needs met, those are most likely the things that are going on with you because it's only in realizing it through the relationship that you get the opportunity to work on those things. So if the relationship goes bad, look for the lessons. First of all, appreciate the fact that you had the opportunity to connect with someone because even if you can't stand them now, there was one point where you really were digging them, right? So like, don't be disrespectful to the fact that you were able to connect with someone. But then the other thing is like, look for the lesson and then 
on top of that, Quentin, really? <laughs> Gotta grab my air. Every interaction that we have with someone, if we leave them, if it's not forever, if it's not forever, we have to look at whether or not we made them better or if we made them bitter. Mm. Better and or bitter. Better or bitter. And and everybody has a responsibility to that. Like even if you have some some like residual aggravation over how a situation turned out, like have a conversation with that person if you can and clear that up because you're just gonna carry that animosity into your next relationship. You think you think when you when you when you run across that type of individual, do you think it's best to tell them like, look, you might be a little bit too self-absorbed. Maybe you should take a step back and look at yourself because a lot of times people are so, like I said, pointing the finger at the opposite sex or, or whoever's their significant other. They never take no accountability for whatever preference they have, but they, they're so busy pointing the finger at the next person that they never look at themselves. Like the absorber, the absorberation is, is scary and it, it actually will allow them to grow old and be miserable. Wait, so here's the, so I, I want to say two things on that point. So the, the, what I was talking about before about failing miserably and dating, it was, it was because I didn't know what questions to ask. And so, or to, to, to establish that bond initially. And so asking the questions in the book helped me to do, helped me to do two things. Number one, it helped me to learn how to create questions to allow someone to open up to me and share their thoughts and their opinions with me. The second thing I did was I learned how to listen, right? Learned how to listen. And I think the people who are self-absorbed and always pointing at, at someone else is the problem with that is that it's easier to blame someone else for what your experience is than to take responsibility for either being in that situation or take responsibility and knowing that maybe you didn't know how to deal with what that situation was. And it's like, how can you grow if you don't question yourself on what your part was? I try to stay away I try to stay away or not engage in too much conversation with, with women that are extremely hard on men. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had, I've had my experiences and some of y'all. <laughs> so I'm not like, I'm not defending, you know, bad behavior. There's no excuse for bad behavior. However, one of the, the other reasons why I wrote the book is because I would hear women talk so horribly about men, but like everything they were doing was for the attention of men. Mm. Say that again, please. I, I, I would see women um, speaking so badly about men, but everything that they were doing was for the attention of men. Mm. So it's like, you know, you you go out you go out to lunch and it's a whole hour conversation about this negro this this negro that this negro the other next thing you know 
you know, she's making sure the lip gloss is popping and, you know, the booty is out and all of this other stuff. And it's like, okay, but do you love them or do you hate them? Help me understand. What is it that you're looking for? How is it that you have not established a positive idea about men in your mind, but you're seeking for them to be engaged with you? What does that even, what does that even feel like for him? For the, uh, for the young lady, uh, I don't know if a young lady or a man in the chat. Uh, Julia, Julia is the author of two books. It's called what well, the first book is called Crown Rules: One Woman's Journey to the Throne. That is more like a workbook, textbook, um, journal type of format, um, reflective on what she went through some things after her divorce. And then she wrote Crown Rules Two. This book here. How black men love. How black men love. And this is going to be the topic of her show each Thursday at nine o'clock. Um, that's just for the person in the chat that asked what book. Um, both of her books, How Black Men Love, the second edition is on Amazon as we speak. Um, and the first, the Crown Rules two, Crown Rules 1, she's working on her second edition and it'll be on Amazon shortly. Mm-hmm. So, so Julia, with that, um, you looking forward to each week and being able to um, share your investigating reporting. You know, Mike Wallace <laughs> and that, you know, Ed Bradley, Barbara Walters. I grew Barbara up Walters. loving Barbara Walters. Yes, I'm. I'm very excited, Quentin, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And I have to say, you know. One of the things that also concerns me is on social media, you see a lot of conversations about uh, generational wealth and people running to buy real estate and want to get this stock and Bitcoin and all of this stuff. And let's build up this wealth. Let's build up this wealth. Well, as a culture, as a black culture, we are, I believe that we won't be able to to experience the fullness of generational wealth if we don't have our relationships together. Yeah, you you, you touched on that, and I'm glad you brought that up. In your introduction, which I posted earlier, and I thought it was very interesting, you said, one of the challenges with love, as I observed it in today's technological age is is that relationships are developed via likes, hearts, and swipes, and DMs, through mobile hookups applications, via online dating sites, and by way of speed dating forums. We have lost the art of authentically authenticity of organically connecting to one another. We also seem too dis, we also seem to be disinterested in taking the time that is necessary to understand who our partners are what their relationship history has been, and which ideas and values inform their approach towards developing harmless bonds with the opposite opposite sex. Thus, we aim to relate with no basis for relationship. That's right. Insta-love. Insta-love. That's the name of the game, honey. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's the name of the game, though. Um, we appreciate you, Julia. Um, I hope everybody in the chat 
um, share share with people. Share with people that um that are willing to listen and have the adult conversation. Um, I like to say, when are the adults going to come in the room? Have mm-hmm. that conversation and be able to express different ideas and thoughts um, based off of Julia's research. Uh, she did a lot of research with this book. It was, I'm quite sure, it was painstaking. And um, we look forward to next week's episode. Yes. Next week's epi- next next week's episode, Julia. Yes. Question one. What is that? Question one. Who was your first example of love? With that, everybody stay safe uh, and have a blessed week. And we look forward to you guys joining us next week. And like I said, share, like, and subscribe to the channel as well and uh, allow the algorithms to set up so more people could understand the content that we have on the page as well. And make sure that you you know share the content of um, Julia's show, what she's trying to do, what she's trying to she, a health. Um, it's a phrase that I like to say. As the black man goes, the black family goes. As the yeah. black family goes, the black community goes. Yeah. As the black community goes, the black nation goes. Yeah. It, first, it first starts with the black man and his family. Yes, yes, right? it does. So yes, it with does. That, with that, um, everybody take care. <laughs> Have a have a blessed week and uh share, like, and subscribe to the channel and share, like, and tell your friends. Tell your friends what we're trying to do each week and uh have a good Thursday, have a good weekend, and stay safe. Thank you. <laughs>